Welcome back to the Purpose Producer Podcast. This is the place where we honor people who are using their gifts to help others reach their destiny. My name is Georgia Dawkins, and I launched The Purpose Producer after writing my first book, Everybody Knows the Power of Being in Position. It's a story of hope, redemption, and spirituality that reminds us that we are always in a position to impact the lives of others. Meet Nicole Hardesty. As an expert in social media, she has spent more than 10 years crafting stories for major brands, including the Huffington Post, the Daily News, and WUSA. But there's no story she tells better than her own. You may remember her as the underwater bride who went viral in 2017 for her aquatic newlywed photo shoot. In this episode, Nicole introduces us to Bryant. The baby girl who never made it home from the hospital, but whose spirit lives on each day. Take a deep breath and listen as Nicole opens up about the beauty of motherhood, love, and healing. I am Nicole Hardesty. Nicole Hardesty Hardeman. Don't forget that part. Are we talking about like in just this space with Bryant? My no, this is in general, just like general. who you are, who you are, your placement in universe and life. How are you in position for other people is another way to ask that question. So I could answer that question a lot more clearly now than I could a few years ago. And that's because I've become a mother and I never thought I would like, I was always anti, my life is not going to be, be based on my kids and I'm not going to be defined by like my children or whatever. Um, but to be completely honest, since having Lincoln and seeing how actually awesome she is, I find myself in the conversations that I have with people, the most use they get out of me is when I talk about like parenting. And, and like my views of it and, and my focus and my approach and stuff like that. Like I, I never want to be, wanted to be, or want to be like a, a parenting manual or anything like that. Because I mean, I'm, I'm new with this. I got people who've been doing it longer than me, probably better than me or whatnot, but I still get surprised every time somebody comes to me, like, you know, what do you do? when this happens with Lincoln or XYZ about pregnancy or breastfeeding or whatever, and that they find my responses to be super useful, that always shocks me. I'm always like, you tried that and it worked really? Or like, you think that's a good idea? Really? I just thought, you know, I'm, I'm winging it. So not that I feel like, or I have self-proclaimed that to be my purpose, but with that question is the first time I actually realized well, I do still get really get surprised every time somebody comes to me parenting related and it's useful to them. So I feel like there's a lot of times where I'm placed there for them for those moments, you know? I mean, I could go into like work, but none of that seems nearly as important of the feeling that I get when it comes to like parenting. So... We're going to talk a little bit more about your parenting techniques, but I think that that's very telling of your life technique mm -hmm. uh, or your life approach, um, your philosophy of life. 
the way that I've seen you over the last, what has it been like, 11 years now, you know, <laughs> seeing the way you approach life, you have your own boundaries, you set your own rules. And so I'm wondering how much has that, your way of life, impacted how you're grooming Lincoln? You're a hundred percent correct. I'm, and I'm look, I'm already like, you've seen that you've noticed that. Cause we've never said that. Like I've never talked about that out loud to you. I don't think. And for you to notice that, or like, I've heard people notice that, like, you know, you're good at boundaries. You're good at, you know, um, beat up your own drum and, and whatnot. It's kind of like, wow, that I feel that way, but that's cool that it comes off also to other people. And it's, it's set. So I really try to raise Lincoln that way. I really try to raise her in a sense of like, what do you want? It's not about what other people are doing. It's not about what they want you to want. Like, what do you want? I, it's important for me not to put feelings, um, make anybody's feelings her responsibility. So you don't have to hug somebody just because they're sad that you don't. You don't have to apologize. Like, I'll never say like, you know, it hurts my feelings when you do X, Y, Z, even though she shouldn't be doing the behavior, I'm not going to put her responsibility to my feelings. So it's like that kind of approach with it, where it's just, I want you to be raised to be your own person where it backfires is she's her own person. She's strong-willed. She is, I've been want to snatch it up a couple of times. I wait, I'm turning you into this person. Okay. Let me, let me relax a little bit. But, um, but I do, I think boundaries are so important, like within ourselves and boundaries important for me to give her boundaries of like what the expectation is of what she can and cannot do because kids just thrive off of boundaries and routine and being able to predict. I know I'm not supposed to go over there, regardless if I do it or not. I know I'm not supposed to. Um, and so I try to like also allow her to set her own boundaries. If you're tickling and she says no, it's immediately stopped. So she understands like her nose have power. I want her to know that. So no, I don't want to tell you good morning. Okay. Well then just wave and keep walking. I'm not going to like, you know, make you do something. So I want her to understand her boundaries and the importance of them because they really, they really are important. They really are important. And I've gone through adulthood knowing that thankfully most people are just catching up. <laughs> Well, I'm definitely in the Lincoln fan club, uh, thanks to your IG stories. Um, I get to watch her pick out her outfits daily and, you know, just make her own decisions on a daily basis and watch her grow up. You know, uh, thank God for social media because I can't get to you guys as much as I'd like to yeah. and when I'd like to. Um, but definitely, I think reinforcing those boundaries, um, even seeing you talk about it, reminded me of my childhood. And how I felt when people would force me to hug or force me to speak. And even now, my mama forces me to talk to people on the phone. She'll just be like, hey, it's, and now I'm on speaker. And now I'm exposed, you know, and even though I didn't want to be, I'm not in that space right now, you know. So I think that that's really important. And I'm applying that as a professional auntie to my mm -hmm. nieces, you know. If they don't feel like saying I love you today, that's okay. And I tell their parents, don't force them to say love you, auntie. Don't force them to say anything yeah. like I if that's not how she's feeling today or how they're feeling today and that's okay yeah in what ways <laughs> is she raising you how are you growing up how is she Girl, nurturing the child in you patience I have I have learned more patience 
in these last three years than I have ever in my entire life. And it's a good, it's a good daily exercise because um, my number one goal is to never lose patience with her. And it's to never forget that she is a toddler, to never forget that she doesn't have the years and years of wisdom and life experience to handle the big emotions going on inside of her body. So remembering that on a daily basis, when you get in the, the no with the neck roll and a hand on the hip, it takes a lot of patience. And I have become way more patient. That, and um, since becoming a mom, I'm way more just organized. I plan, I have backup plans. I have backup outfits. I have backup, like, you know, like I, I, I feel like I can walk out of the house at any time and be prepared for a zombie apocalypse because I am now like so quick on my feet with like backup plans and being able to assess a situation and having a response or, um, or an action like on my toes. And that came with being a mother that came with like, you got to be able to see something that's going to happen in 10 seconds before it happens. So you can save the child's life. Like it's so those, those ways, um, definitely just prior to having, um, kids, I was not a very expressive person. Like I feel love, but I don't say I love you all the time. Um, I show it, but I don't say it. And like with her, it's, she's brought out all the emotions, all the emotions. Like I, I would just be looking at a play like, girl, I love you. <laughs> like out of nowhere, I've never, ever, ever been that person. So, you know, she's just made me a ball of mush. Um, as I feel like any kid would do to their parents. And I'm just, I feel, I feel so much more complete. I feel like, again, when, if you asked me 10 years ago, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be like that busy businesswoman walking on the street in New York too busy to even call my mom back and, and the nanny's going to watch the kids and whatever. I can't imagine that life now. Like I can't even, and I feel like now it's like, this is my purpose to be a mom. I've had, I'm, I still have the career, but I've had the career as the priority and I've done that. And then I've done this and I don't want to this I, hands down best job ever. What has motherhood taught you or what is motherhood teaching you about love? So I had a really great childhood and I learned unconditional love at a very young age, unconditional love, unconditional respect, unconditional, just like space to be who you are. Um, and that's really why I am the way I am, because I, that was nurtured in me as a young child to, to be able to vocalize and to be able to set my boundaries and and have choices. You know, me and, and Demetrius, my husband, talk about that a lot. Like he he it's opened his eyes every day when he realizes like you had a lot of choices that most kids and most adolescents don't get. And your parents are very open with raising you. And I was like, well, that's exactly what I want for Lincoln. So I feel like more than Lincoln teaching me about love, like I got the best example from my parents and you've met them. Like you can see it and feel it from like, you know, meeting them on site. And It's, it's weird because when you ask Lincoln, I'm always going back to, I just want to love her the way my mom loved me. And 
she, if anything, is giving me the opportunity to love her the way I've always wanted to love my kids and the example that was set for me. Um, so I don't know what I've learned from her yet, but I do love the opportunity that she's giving me to, to just, to just love her. And yeah, so that's that. I don't know why I can't answer the question the way it was asked. Cause I keep, I keep just going back to, to my mom. I think that's where it always goes back. It always goes back to mom. That's like, I heard someone say the other day, our mom is our first God. You know, they're teaching Mm -hmm. us our our way of life and showing us, and then we we see our our value. Um, So, yeah, and I think that that's definitely impacted who you are and didn't think I could love you more, but I totally love you in the role of mom and wife and and daughter and friend. Mm -hmm. Like, you're still all those things. And through all those things, you know, you're Nicole. So I want to ask you about your birthday because we've traveled together and you are like, you you are a professional traveler. Like you mm-hmm. are the, the page everybody follows to live vicariously through this girl. Like you are that person. But this year you decided to do something different for your birthday. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I still traveled. I went to, I went skiing, but, (laughs) but while in Colorado, um, I donated my birthday, which I'm not very, uh, vocal about my birthday. It's not easy to know when it's my birthday unless you really know me. So I don't put it on social media or anything. Um, so this year I did for the reason of wanting to donate my birthday to an organization for, um, called Saul's Light, which is an organization for bereaved families and NICU NICU families. So last summer in July, I lost um, my one month old daughter, Bryant. She was born at 24 weeks and spent a month in the NICU and died from an infection. She was actually doing very well and had, you know, like very high hopes of having a successful NICU journey and, and continuing on to have a beautiful life. And this one infection came and took all of that away in a matter of 24 hours. So, uh, you know, it's just been, it's just been a year dealing, dealing with that and, uh, everything that comes along with grieving the loss of a child, an infant child who, um, who didn't even get a chance to leave the hospital. This organization saws like that really helped me through that time, through that grieving process and, and put me in contact with other moms going through the same thing. And it's the shittiest club ever. And it's just like the, the only person that a mom going through something like this can talk to is another mom who's gone through something like this. Like there's no other person in the world who is going to be able to talk to you other than a mom who went through something like this. Um, so that organization was able to help me um, through that. The founder, Kim, she had lost her son in the same situation a few years ago. And, and she and I bonded over that. And uh, she put me in contact and put me in rooms with other women who, who I was able to really connect with. And out of the whole grieving journey, that was the one most single thing that helped me the most out of anything that everybody has done in that time sitting in a room full of women who we can all say like, I know what you mean, was the most healing thing that's happened. So for my birthday, I wanted to um, 
tell Bryant's story, which I had not done from beginning to end since everything happened on Instagram Live uh, to encourage people to donate to that organization. And that that story raised almost $3,000 to date. And that made me, that makes me feel really good. It makes me feel rooted to her. It makes me feel like, you know, of course her life means something, but it made me feel like her life meant something. Like it, it did something. And even after, after she passed, I had breast milk, just like I had pumped for her and um, I donated her breast milk. And that's another time I got that feeling of like her short time here, she did something powerful, you know? So um, seeing the response to, to that uh, Instagram live for my birthday was just really, it was another, it was very healing for me. It was just to know that like, again, her short time here, it was, it had impact. And um, it was just, you know, it was important for me because there's so many issues that go with pregnancy that we don't know, mainly because women are not put in a position to talk about these things often about miscarriages, about um, infant loss and, and, and just child loss in general. So you don't know, you don't know how often it happens until it happens to you, you share it. And then you get all of the me too statements and you're like, wow, I had no idea, you know? So, and it was really hard for me to even find that organization because there's not a lot of resources. Like there's resources, you can Google things, but like, you know, it's not, it's not something that's widely talked about. So it's not something that's like widely, um, cater to you know like march of dimes have some has some great resources and programs and things like that i wanted something local i really wanted to be in a room with other women um and that was hard to find but you you're led to believe this is not that big of an issue until you're in it and then now i'm in a facebook group uh an infant loss facebook group that has like ten thousand people in it like that's ten thousand women (laughs) who have lost and it's, and it's actually, there's different losses. So this, this Facebook group that I'm in is not miscarriages. Cause I know that happens often. And that is the most talked about one, which is great. Like there, but this is women who have had living and breathing children and they've died for whatever reason. That's 10,000 right there. Like that's a lot of babies. I get a lot of feedback from people just really thanking me for sharing the story, thanking me for saying things that they should have heard or needed to hear because they've gone through similar situations, be it miscarriage or stillborn or any type of loss. Um, so that always feels good. And it just, it, it gives me more courage to just keep talking about it outside of the fact that I'd never want to not talk about her as if she just never existed. So that's my birthday in a nutshell. I'm really glad that you keep talking about her and sharing her life and that you're teaching other people how to talk about this. And I'm one of those people because I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. All I wanted to do was just like run to you. Like, and I, we're in a pandemic. Like I couldn't even, I couldn't get to you. And that, that broke my heart. So I'm wondering what, what do you need? What did you need? in those days that maybe, you know, people listening can, can know so that they can help a friend or a loved one through this the best way they can. So 
what I do know is everybody grieves differently. And I, I, I learned this because Demetrius grieves differently than I do. I like to be left alone. And immediately, I don't want to talk about it. I need to be by myself. I need to be with my feelings. I need to, to evaluate what's going on inside of me before I start talking about things. He needs to be surrounded. He needs to talk. He needs the people. Um, and we both knew this about each other because we had gone through him losing his dad and me losing my grandmother. So like we, we were equipped with that, like knowledge of each other. Um, and I remember sending out the text message, even when she was in the NICU for that whole month, it was, I didn't want to, not that I didn't want to talk about it, but I didn't want to talk about it. I was like, I need to get through this before I talk about it. And that's the type of person I am. Like, I didn't even share her death um, until I think two weeks later, because I need to understand what's going on, like on, on social media, but like, you know, um, with other people I shared sooner, like my family. But, you know, it's like, I need to understand what's going on before I bring you into this with me. That's me. And so when she was in the NICU, I have to, people would check in and, you know, like, how's she doing? And I'm like, I can't answer this question every day because it's a roller coaster ride. So I need you to text Demetrius if you're ever checking in on me and Brian. Outside of that, I can handle any conversation, just not about us right now. You know, so, and, and that was me setting my boundaries because I needed to protect my peace because I am a person that if I'm going through something really bad, how are you doing is triggering to me because then I have to think about how I'm doing and that's not a feeling I can handle in the moment, you know? So I did when she, when she passed and I did have to text my, my family, I was just like, I need, I need you to just like respect my privacy right now. I felt like a celebrity statement, like, please respect the privacy of the family. Like I was just, and that was just me. I was like, I need this time to, to go through this. The long answer to that question is everybody grieves differently. So there's no black and white answer on what to do. The only thing I can say to do is if you don't know how that person particularly grieves, then it is, it is a good, it's good to ask, you know, what can I do to support you right now? It's good to ask, you know, or uh, in my case, I never would have had the answer for that. In my case, what was good is when people took it upon themselves to just do something, to just bring food, to just, you know, drop in, leave a card, play with Lincoln for a little bit. So like that was one less thing I had to worry about. I asked for one thing. I did ask uh, on a group text with a couple of my friends that I was trying to find a grief counselor. And this is like within 48 hours of her passing. And every time I made a phone call, like I couldn't get the words out without crying. So I asked them to just look into some with me and they sent me back a spreadsheet full of counselors and it was amazing. And I found my therapist through that and I still go to her today, you know? So it was like, it was, that was kind of what I needed. The, um, I did appreciate the texts that were just like, that didn't ask questions. I'm thinking about you, period, you know? Um, you're on my mind, period. Like that was helpful. Just knowing that it's there, but I'm not in a place to have to answer and make you feel better about how bad I feel. You know, like a lot of times I feel like it was, you know, people would want to ask, how are you doing? So I can make them feel okay about what I was going through. Like they were looking for me to say, I'm fine. And I was not okay. So you know, and I just didn't want to take on the responsibility of somebody else feeling, feeling better that I'm 
going through this. And I just, I just, that was, that was a lot like for me to handle in the first days and, um, days and weeks. And, um, the holding space was very, very helpful of just like, you don't have to respond. I'm just letting you know, I'm thinking about you, you know, but again, everybody is different because Demetrius loves people checking on him, asking him how he's doing, you know, and you just got to know, you got to know who you're dealing with. So, and if you don't, like I said, you, you can ask, like, how can I support you? What do you need from me? But I think the safest bet is to give people that option, like open-ended questions are hard when you're dealing with grief like that. The safest bet is probably you don't need to respond if you don't want to, but I'm thinking about you and leaving it open. Like there's no pressure for you to respond if that's not what you need right now, or you can, you know, then somebody can say thanks or, you know, whatnot. Um, and that, that was just in the, just in the early days. Now, as time went on and I was able to you know, say her name without crying and think, you know, think without crying and open up a little bit more. I welcomed more conversation and people just took my lead, which was, which was good, you know, um, but I was able to grieve in a very healthy way. So you do want to keep an eye on people just in case they're not grieving in a healthy way. And they do need some like intervention or some like for real being checked on because they're not handling it the best they could. And I think um, they were okay with leaving me alone because they knew I was going to therapy. So it's kind of like, it's co it's coming out somewhere. And Demetrius and I talked all the time. Like every day we would talk, we would go through feelings. You know, he was there for me. I was there for him and the way that we needed each other. Um, so I wasn't necessarily alone, but I wasn't, I was not able to grieve with the world. I was not able to grieve with people who didn't know who wasn't in this with me. Like he was, you know, like he was the only person I was able to openly grieve with in those early, in those early days. Cause again, like I said, I'm not, we can't, we can't go through stuff together. Like me, I can't do that. I can't tell y'all, Hey guys, I have a job interview, pray for me. And then like, all right, I just left my interview. I feel good. Like I can't, we're not going to go through that together. Y'all are going to find out when I get the job, <laughs> Like I got to go through it. And then you can know it's so it, it, you just got to know who you're dealing with. On the next episode of the purpose producer podcast. I'm telling you, I know for a fact that if it was Lincoln, slash my first child, Georgia, I don't think I would have been able to come back from that. Parenting through the loss of a child. That would have gone a completely different way. And keeping the faith. Lincoln literally saved my life. I couldn't imagine if that was my first child. Nicole opens up about how she finds God in every moment of the day. Thank you for tuning in to the Purpose Producer Podcast. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and review. And don't forget to follow us on all social platforms at The Purpose Producer. And as always, thank you for being a light on my path to purpose.